changed much since I got here. You know, just come in and just, you know, just work as hard as I possibly can to help our team win. Lions fans know how impactful Everson Griffin can be. And without Trey Flowers, he becomes even more important. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 66 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I am your host, Cy Amundsen, joined by Chris Corso and Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. Boy, oh boy, did we shake it up on Packer Week, fellas. Uh, I hate to throw a bunch of the hilarious sports cliches out there, but nobody... Nobody believed in us, Chris. Nobody thought it was possible. I mean, some people did. The line was about six or seven points. But what a win for the team. What a win for, for Delvin Cook. What a win for Zimmer and his defense. I'm going to – Chris, I'm going to do something I don't do with you very often because I don't trust you as a man or a talent on this show. <laughs> I'm just going to throw you the ball and let you run wherever you want. Take it away, Chris. I texted you, Cy, before the game, and I said, I have a feeling about this game. And you called me a crazy person. And I just want to throw it. The fact that I allowed you to do whatever you wanted here, and you chose to pump up your own ego and let everybody know. Here's a little background information. Here's a little background information for everyone who listens to this show. (laughs) If there's a Viking game, Chris is texting me something like, I have a good feeling. We could be down 75 to 8 in the second quarter, and Chris would send me a message that goes, I got that tingle, man. I think it's comeback time. So before, before we name him the Joe Namath of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, let's point that. But you, you were right. You thought, given the weather conditions, and I didn't say you were crazy. Don't make me look like an a-hole. You thought, given the weather conditions, you did think that Delvin had the ability possibly to control this game, and that is exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. The return of Dalvin Cook plus the windy 25-mile-an-hour winds I saw in the pregame and Aaron Jones being out for the Green Bay Packers, it just seemed like that could be the route to the Vikings' success, and that is what Vikings offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak dialed up. It was a heavy dosage of Dalvin Cook, 30 carries on the day. It, It seemed like Green Bay almost didn't have the answer for him no matter where they ran the left the right uh the screen pass whatever it was they did not have an answer and it was back and forth it was a weird first half with only four total possessions two touchdowns each 14 14 but the vikings found a way and dalvin cook i think it's put the team on his back is probably the best way to explain it si 30 carries 163 yards three rushing touchdowns two receptions 63 yards one receiving touchdown 226 all-purpose yards he is the fifth player in, in, in the super bowl era with at least 200 scrimmage yards three rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown in a single game he is the first viking to score four touchdowns in a game since Ahmad Rashad everybody's been talking about Dalvin Jay but I'm going to shift here because 
I, I also need to talk about the offensive line. Ezra Cleveland stepped in for the second week in a row, and I think given expectations for a young guy technically playing out of position, I don't want to say shocked the world, but played better than I think most people could have ever hoped for. And let's give a lot of credit to C.J. Ham and, and, and Kyle Rudolph and, and Irv Smith here for really helping pave the way for this big day for Delvin. But this O-line, for, for a, mal- a much maligned group, this was a big day for those guys. Yeah, and I think the best thing for Ezra was the fact that it was – the next game after the previous game where he he got some criticism for some of the stuff he missed or just slightly being out of position and and feeling like he just missed on a block that might have sprung something in this one it felt like he and he and O'Neal were just on the same page and there were a lot of people especially after the game that were diagramming all of Dalvin's runs and catches and they were all ecstatic about what was happening. You were seeing four, five, six foot wide gaps for Delvin to run through. And that's like a, a super highway. And he's just it for him. He, he's able to see exactly who's on the next level where he needs to make a cut and what he needs to do to get an open space. And that is the most dangerous Delvin cook. So the best part for me was that you saw Ezra, you saw Bradbury down the field throwing uh, uh cut blocks and just getting in the way you saw the wide receivers like you said the tight ends cj ham has been an absolute battering ram everybody was doing what they need to and the best part is once delvin does it once those guys start to smile and they're like let's do it again and then you get a second one do it again get a third one and then when you hit them with that 50 yard screen pass that stuff was just icing on the cake they love playing for a player like that and and getting out front in order to have him have that kind of success so the team can win Yeah, I don't know a ton about offensive lines, but I do know that those guys love to run block. If you're an offensive lineman and you're cramming it down another team's throat with the run, that's about as good as it gets. The defense held on, made a big stop to secure the victory, but more importantly than that, Chris, they held them to 14 points throughout the majority of this game, really shorthanded in a lot of ways. And the thing I appreciate and love about Zimmer is – you know, I think with his players, he has their respect and he talks to them as men and, and, and you know, he's complimentary and also critical at the same time in a way that's helpful. I like that when you get him in post games, there's an opportunity here to sit down and go, you know, look at what we did against Russell Wilson in the first half. Look at what we did against Aaron Rodgers here. And, you know, he, he'll lean on what we have to get better at. But, but there is an opportunity, like I keep saying week in and week out, even though this isn't a top 10 defense right now, there's an opportunity to dole out some compliments. Absolutely. It seemed like there was some sort of adjustment that Coach Zimmer made at halftime. Obviously, the Packers scored on their first two drives in the entire uh, first half of the game. And I think there was some sort of adjustment that was made by Coach Zimmer. You saw the defensive line push. And I talked to Jaleel Johnson about this later on in the show. There was a different sort of push from the interior defensive line as well as the exterior guys like DJ Wanham and Afadio Denebo, two who had huge plays in the second half of this game. So you'll hear that from Jaleel later on. But there was definitely some sort of adjustment that was made from the pass rush perspective 
And then Coach Zimmer obviously slotted some guys in and out at the cornerback position with the injuries that went on to a Cameron Dantzler in the first half. You saw Josh Metellus, the late-round draft pick safety, playing cornerback and actually made a big play at the end of the game in the red zone. So um, all hands on deck is pretty much what Coach Zimmer said uh, at the end of the game in the postgame presser, and, and he repeated that this week. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Uh, two things. One, just an absolute all-around fun game. Anytime you beat the Packers, no matter what your season looks like, it feels really good. And, and there were just un- – it wasn't an accidental win. It was a thorough win. It was executing in a lot of different ways on a lot of different levels. Second thing, and I forgot to mention this after the first time you talked, Chris, you did refer to a gust of wind – as windy you said it was some windy 25 mile per hour wind and jay i know we uh, are really limited from a technology standpoint but if you could somehow get me a button bar of my favorite corso sayings i would love to just have a guy it's like that horse is real horseish i love it it's a very horses horses real horseish I, I'm I'm trying to sh- on Corso and I can't even like I can't even pull it off. It's even better if you can pronounce it, right? Yeah, I just you know what? It's been it's been a long year. Guys, we move on to Detroit. Uh, Matthew Stafford on the COVID reserve list because he had contact. He's still eligible to play this weekend. I'm not ready to break down what that does or doesn't mean because we saw with Cameron Dantzler, there's a good chance if, if he gets a couple clean tests and they contract trace appropriately, the NFL is getting really good at this. If he's able to play, he is going to play. So I'm not going to spend a, a ton of time on uh, the Matthew Stafford COVID issue. What I am going to spend my time on is – well, I want to talk about this game, but just what these next five games represent. And well, and let's even start with the next two. You just got a big win against a division team. You have, as crazy as this sounds, and as much as I'm going to get destroyed by somebody messaging me, you have five winnable games in front of you. Okay. You have the Lions. You have the Bears, who are very good, and we don't play well in Chicago historically, but that's it's a competitive possibility. You have the Cowboys, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the, uh, the Panthers. I think the order is a little off there, those last two. I think the Jaguars is the fifth game. You have five competitive winnable games in front of you. If you somehow go on a run here, you could be seven and five. Now let's pull it back to say that was a nice win. Now you need to go win against – that was a team that people didn't think you would beat. Now you're back to favorites. You need to go win against a team that people think you should compete against and can beat. And then it's right back into that Viking. You know, these next two games are huge to me. If, if who we thought we were, if that two and five start, if, if there's people in the building and those of us saying, that's not really who we are. It's this, I mean, it is, you are who you are in the NFL, but it's more this combination of situations and COVID opouts and injuries and, and, and youth we think we're better than that. Well, if we think we're better than that, we got a hell of a two-game opportunity to showcase it, and then a little run after that could that could really turn our season around, Chris. I, I agree, Si, and that's why, oh, I mean, the Seattle and the Tennessee losses by one point absolutely kill me because 
like you brought up, and I think this is a great point, we're playing Detroit at home this week. Then we're playing at Chicago, which is always a tough game, and they have won a lot of big games um, in the past. They lost to the Saints barely in overtime last week. But like you said, the Cowboys with a backup quarterback of some sort, we probably don't know who who it will be that week. And then the Panthers and Jaguars the following couple weeks. I see a way that if we can get on a roll here, and as long as Dalvin Cook stays healthy and plays in every one of these games, there's a good chance we can win these next four games and and head into a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road that will be a huge game. Um, And we saw the New York Giants play them pretty competitively on Monday Night Football. So the schedule actually looks pretty good. You still play the, the Lions again after that and the Bears again after that. And, and you play playoff. you play the Saints who historically you play you play very well. difficult you, you you play them pretty well you know you you got one game that's terrifying if you're uh, if you're sigh and you worry all the time about how we're gonna do and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but I'm the stupid guy who's 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 talking myself into a two and five team making a run here and Jay. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a different podcast. We got a couple of interviews coming up, so we only have so much time here. And could I break down uh, David Blau and what happens if he plays instead of, you know, Matt Stafford? Could we talk about the the defense, uh, you know, pressure of their quarterback, their running game? We could go through a lot of things, but I'm going to stay on the more interesting entertainment side of things here because I want to talk about Adrian Peterson. I want to talk about Everson Griffin. I'll start with you and Adrian Peterson. Uh, he, he comes back to Minneapolis having somehow still at this age a decent year, 85 carries, 321 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And I don't put it past a guy like Adrian Peterson to all of a sudden look like a young man and have a monster this weekend. Yeah, the thing with with him is, you know, anytime he's lining up now against the purple, it's straight motivation for him. He's he loves being here. He also loves beating up on us at this point. And we've seen him multiple times at this point. We, we saw him against with the Saints. And now he's coming back here now with Detroit. I'm sure it was no coincidence that he signed with Detroit when he had the option to be with them. The biggest thing with Adrian, I think, is you you don't have to worry about him being motivated. He'll take care of that on his own. The problem that they have right now with Detroit is just the fact that the running game for them hasn't been that great. They have tend to abandon the running game early in, this, in, in the game, especially if they get down. Stafford's been having to, to come from behind on a lot of these, and, and so he's been also taking some shots, taking some sacks because of it, but... Adrian Peterson motivated along with with uh, Swift and and Kerryon Johnson. Those three guys are going to try to come in here on the turf and and make our defensive running game pay in order to make sure that they can at least try and control the clock and do what we did to Green Bay, try and do some of that to us in order to keep Delvin Cook off the field at this point. Chris, Everson Griffin is one of my favorite Vikings of all time. I'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, it has It's more personal to me than it is football to me, but I'll let you reflect a little bit on the football. It's going to be weird to see him out there in a Lions jersey. I know we were going to see him in a Cowboys jersey, but it's going to be weird to see him out there in a Lions jersey. It is so weird that he's one of the players that you just never would have expected to be wearing that Honolulu blue or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, he's the guy who hyped up the Vikings before every single game, got the guys ready to go. He's a lead. He was the leader of this team for a decade. 
And and whenever you say a decade, that doesn't happen in the NFL very often. So to see him on the other side as well as Adrian Peterson, it's going to be a little bit of a sore uh, subject for Vikings fans to watch. But hopefully we just beat them and, and then wish them all the best when they are not playing against us. Absolutely. And, and for me, it, it's a little deeper. I, you know, I struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder uh, and, um, you know, being a part of the mental health community and also being a giant sports fan, it, it, it has not been lost on me throughout my life uh, how the masculine world tends to view mental health. I think we're evolving. I think we're growing. But, you know, it was a, for so much of my life and long, long before it, it, it was a man up culture. It was a, you know, anything in your head is a sign of weakness. And, and I remember when uh, Everson had his unfortunate incident, you know, I remember thinking, oh man, just Vikings Twitter and the fans, I'm gonna have to hear people use the word crazy and all these things. And I remember logging in after it happened in the days after it happened and seeing nothing but support. Just seeing an entire fan base embrace the man and then seeing our organization, seeing our team completely embrace the man and completely drive that conversation away. Guys, I can't tell you what that does for people in the mental health community to see somebody who is as big and as strong and as impressive as Everson Griffin struggle and be supported by the communities that in the past you have felt like you are on the outside looking in it it was I'm being dramatic I'm sure but it was incredible and I think it says a lot about where we're going as a society I think it says a ton about this organization and this fan base and for me personally, he'll go down as an all-time Minnesota Viking. And it, it, was just, it, it was just really great to see. And it was really – because people with mental health issues are tough people. I, I'll never buy into this – that there's any weakness there. And to see somebody who is quintessentially tough go through that, be supported, and be embraced – and still be able to continue to be the tough, competitive man he is, I thought it was wonderful. So it'll be weird to see him in another jersey. I'm just happy to see him uh, still playing, and it'll be fun to see him on the field on Sunday, Jay. Yeah, and I think you know part of that reason why he had so much support too was the fact that he – you, you felt like as as a fan, you got maximum effort out of him and he was he was kind of the heart of that that defense. Like you said, Corso, he was the energy that you needed. And I think he brought so much joy and, and happiness to fans watching him play for all those years when somebody like that or someone and it just feels like in your family is hurting to rally around him like that. And like you said, I think it was awesome to see that. And, you know. It, what you just said that the, the part about it is it doesn't matter how much weights you lift and all that kind of stuff you people still go through personal things especially on the mental health side and, and, and a lot of times people doing that suffer in silence and I think for someone like Everson to to be able to give that a platform then I think like you said for people like yourself it, it, it helped to feel like I'm not alone and, and and it gave you somebody that you could see support for so to be honest with you Sai you know you sharing that as well that 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 is courageous as well and so just to know that 
for Everson and yourself and other people like that, that are going through that kind of stuff. There are people that care about you. There are people that want to help. And, and um, you know, it, it, it will be hard to see him on the Detroit Lions at the same point. It's just good to see him still playing, like you said. I appreciate that. Now let me shift it right back into football because I get uncomfortable when uh, anyone says anything kind to me uh, or supportive. Uh, Vikings secondary versus Chris. This one's for you. I I said we weren't going to break down the game much. I have two things I really want to hit on. Vikings secondary versus the Lions wide receiver. Galladay is most likely out with a hip issue. He missed the second half of the game in Indy. Uh, Amendola, Hawkinson, and Marvin Jones Jr. are going are gonna to pick up this load here. We obviously saw adjustments from Zimmer. If Stafford is out on the field, are we going to see uh, a continued, I'm going to call it a unique approach compared to what we've seen over the past few years as we take on another group of strong wide receivers and a quarterback who can throw it all over the place? I mean, I like our matchup here. Marvin Jones Jr., TJ Hawkinson, Danny Amendola, Kenny Galladay being out is huge for the Vikings with the weakness in the secondary, obviously, that we have. Cameron Dancer going down with that tough injury, which you never would have thought he would have been healthy for this game. It sounds like he's doing pretty well. Um, He's definitely listed on the Vikings injury report as of Wednesday, but keep an eye on him and Holton Hill because it would be great to get one of those guys back. Um, from a defensive back standpoint because we were slim pickings last week at that position, that's for sure. But I think Zimmer continues to do that zone sort of coverage that he's that he did against Aaron Rodgers in the second half of the game with getting the, the pass rush going. I think that'll be the plan again. But I don't see a number one wide receiver like they had to stop in Devontae Adams last week. Marvin Jones did have a game where he scored touchdowns against us last season, so keep an eye on that. But um, other than Marvin Jones, I, I, I like this matchup here for the Vikings. Jay, the Vikings starting defensive line, Afadi, Shamar, Jaleel, who we're going to talk to in a little bit, and Jalen Holmes. Can we get pressure, especially like especially if he's not out there, can we get pressure on the Lions quarterback? Can we make his job difficult? And can we keep this, uh, keep this the sort of football game that lets a guy like Dalvin Cook shine? I think the thing about uh, last week, it was more kind of contain and then at the end squeeze in order to get Rodgers off of his game. I think with Detroit, what's worked in the past has been just all out blitzes and trying to get those guys uncomfortable up the gut. And depending on if it's Stafford or David Blau, they're completely different animals. That defensive line two years ago had 10 sacks in a game against Stafford, which as soon as you can get pressure on him, he starts to kind of speed up. He starts to hear footsteps and he can make mistakes like most quarterbacks. Blau last season, we had a five sack game against him. So the thing for me with with the Lions is, is if their running game is not going to potentially get going, if you can keep those guys in check on the defensive line and then you put them in those third and seven type passing situations, that's when you pin your ears back and that's when you go. You just have to make sure that guys like Swift aren't going to be catching screen passes and stuff and trying to get to the second level that way because you're getting overly aggressive. But in my opinion, that defensive line, if they can start to squeeze, squeeze, and then just sprint on those long plays for third and fourth downs, that's where I think the defensive line will have success this weekend. 
Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins is back again, teaming with legendary sports anchor Mark Rosen, Rosie, to deliver unique content via Under Center with Kirk Cousins. The series features conversations and current Vikings players, prominent Minnesotans, and guests with personal connections to Kirk. Other segments focus on game reaction with sound from press conferences and the locker room. Cousins and Rosen also look ahead to the next week's matchup. Listen live each week on KFAN FM 100.3 or download the podcast on all popular podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. For more information, visit vikings.com slash Kirk. All right, before we uh, get to the previously mentioned Jaleel Johnson and Chris Corso's conversation with him, team reporter Eric Smith was able to catch up with Detroit Lions team reporter Tori Petrie. She gave a scoop on what she sees as the keys to this 2020 Lions team. Uh, let's let Eric take it away here. I'm Viking team reporter Eric Smith, and I am happy to be joined now by Tori Petrie of the Detroit Lions for a look at Sunday's matchup between a pair of NFC North rivals. It's great to chat with you, Tori, and thanks for coming on. Eric, thank you so much for having me. It's good to chat again. I think we talked maybe early in the pandemic, maybe even at the Combine. That feels like it wasn't even this year, but it's good to catch up with you again, and I appreciate you having me. You're welcome, and it's definitely good to have you on. We, we did chat back at the Combine. That feels like it was maybe a few years ago at this point. Was that this year or last year? Because this year's Combine feels like a decade ago. <laughs> it does. It does. So it's obviously week nine, and the Vikings are just now seeing the Lions for the first time this season with Detroit at three and four, can you kind of sum up just how the first seven games have gone for Matt Patricia's squad? Yeah, the Lions definitely feel like they should have had a few more wins than they have so far this season. That first game against the Bears, uh, Matthew Stafford threw what would have been a game-winning touchdown pass to DeAndre Swift, slipped through the rookie's hands, and the Bears ended up winning that one. So they definitely feel like that one should be in the win column for them. Uh, and then you look at a couple of the other games where the Lions, you know, had leads at certain points in the game, but let the game slip away. That happened, you know, several times this season. There are games against the, the Packers, the Saints, and the Colts where the score that looks that you look at the score on paper and it looks like it might have gotten out of hand, but really the Lions were in every single one of the games that they've played so far this season, and they feel like they should have a better record. But at the end of the day, it's who scores the most points, and the Lions have been on the losing end of four of those games so far. Uh, three of the wins that they, they got, they got on the road. So the Lions have struggled at home this season, but they are on the road this week against the Vikings. Yeah, and the Vikings, conversely, have actually struggled at home. You know, going into this game, the Vikings are 0-3 at home at U.S. Bank Stadium, obviously with no fans. And the Vikings probably feel the same way. There's a few wins that they feel like they should have had on their schedule, too. The teams know each other well, and the Vikings will see a few familiar faces Sunday in Adrian Peterson and Everson Griffin. You know, the Vikings have played against Adrian in the past, but this is actually going to be Everson's Lion debut and the first time he will face the Vikings. Um, what's sort of, you know, the expectation for him and why did the Lion trade for him a few weeks ago? Well, he definitely got a whole lot more important to this roster when Trey Flowers went on short-term IR this week. The Lions added him to their defense because they needed to bolster their pass rush. Their pass rush just wasn't getting home as much as they wanted it to. So they went out, they traded for somebody who they felt could come in and 
impact that pass rush. And Lions fans know how impactful Everson Griffin can be. He found Matthew Stafford in the backfield 16 times when he was with the Vikings. And Vikings fans, I'm sure, very well know that. Uh, so I think Matthew Stafford's pretty happy to have him on his team now and not on, uh, you know, the opposite side of the ball. But that was their expectation that he would come in and, and help out this pass rush. And without Trey Flowers, he becomes even more important. Hopefully the Lions, are, uh, you know, they hope that he's able to take some attention away from someone like Romeo Aquara, who's really come on in these last few games uh, to help free up him in the pass rush as well. So I think that that is their goal for Everson Griffin, and it will definitely be interesting to watch him make his debut for the Lions against his former team. Yeah, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer said earlier this week that he hopes Everson does well, just not Sunday against against the Vikings. And I think that's probably how we feel over here in, in Minnesota. Kind of going to the offensive side of the ball. I know Matt Patricia said earlier this week that star wide receiver Kenny Galladay is week to week due to a hip injury. If he is unable to play, how does that sort of impact Matthew Stafford and the Lions passing game? Yeah, that's a huge loss for this Lions offense if he's not able to go on Sunday. He missed uh, the first couple games of the season with an injury as well, and the Lions certainly missed him on offense. When he was able to make his debut, that was big for this team's offense. So if they're missing him on Sunday, uh, that definitely is a, a disadvantage for the offense. But they do have a lot of other explosive players on the offense right now as well. They've still got Marvin Jones Jr. who will probably step up and take a big part of Kenny's workload if Kenny isn't able to go. Another guy that, to keep an eye on is Marvin Hall. He was known as kind of the Lions deep catch guy last year. I think he averaged 37 yards per catch just because every catch that he uh, had was a deep pass. And you know, he's kind of worked on more of those intermediate passes this year. And I think that he will probably see a bigger role on Sunday if Kenny's not able to go. Another name to keep an eye on is former Wisconsin wide receiver Quintez Cephas, who the Lions drafted this year. The rookie has been a healthy scratch these last few games uh, on the inactive list, but I would expect him to be active if Kenny's not out there. Well, we know that Kitty is a star for the Lions offense, and you could easily say the star of the Vikings offense is Dalvin Cook, especially coming off his big day Sunday against the Packers. He's the, Vi he's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, 226 yards from scrimmage, four touchdowns. I'm sure he's, he's been a big talking point and a big focus for the Lions defense this week, but what's the team sort of saying about how they can slow him down? Yeah, that is going to be the Lions' biggest challenge on Sunday. They really struggled to stop the run early on in the season. They gave up over 250 yards rushing to the Green Bay Packers when they played them back in the beginning of the season. But they've been able to tighten up in that area a little bit more. And the games that they have won this season are the games where they have stopped the run well. They were able to stop Kyler Murray in Arizona. They won that game. They were able uh, to stop the Jaguars uh, run game with the rookie running back that they have uh, in the backfield. And then against the Falcons, they limited Todd Gurley's damage, except for the one touchdown that they gladly gave up because that, that helped them win the game. Uh, but you know, the, the games where they have been able to stop the run are the games where they have won. And so I think that is going to be a huge focus this week facing Minnesota, especially considering the damage he did against the Packers last week. You mentioned when we first got on that, you know, the Lions feel like there's a few games they should have won earlier in the season. And I said the Vikings are kind of the same way with the Lions at three and four. You know, they're about to face four straight teams that currently don't have a winning record, including the Vikings at two and five. 
you know, with the extra playoff spot in the NFC this year, how much belief is there that Detroit can go on a run and kind of position itself for a playoff run once December comes around? Well, I think this stretch of November games is crucial to that. You know, the Lions, uh, at least Lions fans, well, I can't speak for what the team is saying, but Lions fans are looking at the schedule and seeing the Vikings and saying, hey, this is a winnable game. But the Vikings, I'm sure, are looking at the schedule at the Lions and saying, hey, this is a winnable game. Uh, you know, so, so the Lions certainly have to stay on top of things this week against the Vikings. But then you look at the schedule coming up. They've got the Washington football team. They've got Carolina. You know, these are teams who – aren't playing strong football right now. So if they can win these games in November, that sets them up for, uh, you know, a good position to be in come December. But, you know, their slate of December games is really tough. You know, they've got the Bears. You know, I'm not sure if we're buying in on the Bears yet or not, but, uh, you know, they've got the Bears at the beginning of December there. Uh, you know, they face the Packers again. They've got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So there are some really tough games on their schedule in December. So unless they are able to, you know, come into November and play strong, then they might be, you know, in a tough position come December. Torre, I always appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Eric. Always good to join you. The Voyage delivers unprecedented access to fans who will be able to get inside the office of Coach Mike Zimmer and have an insider's look and listen during his talks with the team. Viewers also hear directly from current Vikings who will be writing outcomes of games through their play on the field. Watch bi-weekly during the NFL season on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch today and find out more at vikings.com slash voyage. Thank you so much, Eric. Uh, it's always great to hear a perspective from the other team. Uh, and reminder, it's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. All right, from Eric over to Corso. Chris had the opportunity to sit down with Jaleel Johnson, who's one of a group of guys who's basically on a 10-week edition here. We've got 10 weeks for all these guys to really, really shine with the opportunities on the field. Uh, Chris sat down with Jaleel. Chris, take it away. What is up, Vikings fans? Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And today we have a special guest. It's Jaleel Johnson of the Vikings defensive line. What's going on, Jaleel? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. And I, I think you're doing pretty well after a successful win at Lambeau Field. It's your fourth season with the Minnesota Vikings. How did it feel to go in there into an empty Lambeau Field and, and get a win? Uh, well, you know, empty or not, you know, it's always good to, to get a win, you know, up at Lambeau. Uh, especially me personally, you know, um, first time winning up there at Lambeau as a starter, you know, it's, uh, it's huge, you know, it's huge for our, for our program. Um, you know, we, we played hard, we played physical and uh, we just got to keep it, you know, keep it going. You had a bunch of hurries on Aaron Rodgers in that game. What's it like chasing down number 12? Uh, I could tell you it's not easy <laughs> for a guy to be playing as long as he has, he's, he still has it. You know, he still has it. You know, he's a quick guy, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, just everyone doing their job, you know, guys like, you know, DJ and Fadi and guys on the outside, you know, causing, you know, him to hurry up, you know, which made guys on the inside create a lot of pressure. So 
It seems like you guys really picked up the intensity in the second half on the defensive side of the ball. You had big plays from Afadio Denebo as well as DJ Wanham. What did that mean for those guys trying to establish their roles on this defense? And especially DJ, break down that last play. That was that that was the game ceiling play. Game stealing play. You know, it's you know, I'm sure you guys know a guy like Aaron Rodgers who likes to get out of the pocket and like throw eighty yard touchdowns and yep. you know, he's done that his whole career. And when you have uh, you know, a young guy just really focusing throughout the week, like DJ focusing throughout the week and just listening to what the coach was saying, you know, stay outside, don't let Aaron Rodgers get outside and throw. And, uh, you know, he embraced that challenge. He embraced the role. And, you know, he just went out. He just did his thing. He and Afadi, you know, those guys played lights out, you know, like they do every week, you know. And, um, you know, that helps us as, a, as a, an entire defense. And it helps us, you know, as a defensive line as a whole, you know. So um, I'm very grateful to be playing next to those guys. Yeah, so you talk about the young guys on this team. You were a young guy a few years ago. Now you're entering year four. No Limbaugh Joseph, no Michael Pierce, who was supposed to be an offseason acquisition. Um, he's sitting out for the season. So what has your new role been like this year with the Vikings? I mean, you're taking on sort of that leader. You're moving up into that leadership role. Yeah, you know, uh, no, I don't really think, you know, my role has changed much since I got here. You know, I felt like my role was just a – you know, just come in and just, you know, just work as hard as I possibly can to help our team win. You know, whether I was, you know, a rookie to a fourth-year guy, you know, I felt like it really doesn't change, you know. And, um, you know, that's what we take pride in as a defensive line unit, you know, just going out and just doing your job, just playing that role. You know, that's our – you know, that's what we hear from Coach Jerry every single day. You know, that's your role, going and just do your job so the guys next to you can make a play. You know, so whether you're a rookie coming in or an older guy, you know, it's – you know, that's that's always been our that's always been our thing as a defensive line unit. Coach Dre, you mentioned him, and he's the leader of the defensive line unit. He gets you guys hyped up before the games, the rush man for life and all that. What has it been like kind of working with him this year, like compared to other years? Because it feels like he's more hands on with a lot of you guys this year. He's really getting involved, trying to trying to have, have you guys develop week in and week out. Yeah, you know, uh, like you said, you know, uh with him being more hands on, you know, um you know, that allows us to, you know, be put in certain situations that can, you know, help us succeed. And, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure working with a guy like Coach Dre, you know, a guy who's been doing this for a very long time. He knows what to do. And, um, and you know what to, what to expect out of him just as he knows what to expect out of his players. You know, um, you know since I've been here, everything has been, you know, it's, it's never been any gray area. You know, you always know where you stand with Coach Drake, you know, and that's for a lot of guys, you know. So, um, yeah, man, we just, you know, just go out. We just just take pride playing, you know, just doing the things that Coach Drake teaches us because, you know, he knows what he's doing. So, You've lost a lot of guys due to injury this year, the notable one in your group being Daniil Hunter. Unique Ngakwe has a brief stint with you guys before getting traded to the Ravens. So it sounds like Coach Dre said Shamar Stefan has kind of picked up that leadership role. He's normally a quiet dude around the facility and stuff like that, but I think with you guys, he's definitely uh, taken on a little bit of a leadership role. He definitely has, you know, and, I, and it's funny because I actually noticed that and I told him, I'm like, look, Shamar, You've been bro. talking a little more. I'm saying, I'm like, bro, you're going to have to start, <laughs> you know, being that, you know, being that guy, bro. We look up to you, bro. You're going to have to start doing that, you know. And, I, you know, I, I felt like, you know, Shamar has, has really embraced that role, you know, being the, the only older guy um, on the defensive line. 
Um, you know, he, he embraced that role and, you know, we, you know, I feel like everyone that's behind, we just, we just look up to that, you know, we just follow in pursuit, you know, when a guy like that has been playing for, for a couple of years, for a very long time that knows the system and that's been around the league, you know, yep. you know, why, why wouldn't you want to follow that, you know, and a guy that's smart as him when it comes to like, you know, football and knowing where to go. I mean, I, Samar is one of the most smartest football players I've ever met, to be honest, you know, so when you have a guy like that, uh, you know, embracing that leadership role, you know, that motivates the younger guys. I saw you made a bunch of plays in the run game last game against the Packers down in the backfield. Do you think that's a part of your game where you really improved the most? I think so. Uh, you know, I think it's because, you know, just, you know, just having that experience, you know, um, you know, just being in those situations, you know, every week during practice and then have it translate to the game, you know. You know, and I think that's one thing with, you know, going back to Coach Dre, you know, yeah. he, he puts us in certain situations where we're able to make those those kind of plays in the backfield to help our team win. What are your expectations for the season? Ever since you've been with the Vikings, you've been on winning teams pretty much every year you've been here. So you're you're kind of faced with a little adversity here at two and five, but it seems like the team could could really get on a roll here. I think so. Um, you know, um, moving forward, you know, I, I – Ever since day one, I've always thought that we had, you know, the right guys to go out and compete and win, you know, every single week. You know, of course, you know, we got up to a, to a slow start. But, you know, I think, again, winning at Lambeau, which is not easy to do with or without fans, um, you know, I think that that kind of, uh, you know, gave our team, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that motivation to keep going out and just, you know, keep improving all throughout the week and keep getting better. And, you know, that way on Sundays, we'll go out and we'll perform at our best. Well, Sunday you take on the Detroit Lions at US Bank Stadium. The Vikings look to get three to three and five on the season. Thank you, Jaleel, for joining the show and, and all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Great job as always, Chris. Uh, let's wrap things up here really quick. Uh, check out this weekend's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins with special guest offensive guard Ezra. Cleveland. They talked, uh, he and Mark Rosen talked about his experiences at Boise State, his love for baseball, and how he spends time unwinding when he's not playing football. That's Under Center with Kirk Cousins every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. on KFAN or download the podcast version right here on your favorite app uh, or the Minnesota Vikings app. Tune in. Reminder Vikings post game live every week, 15 minutes after each game from inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Get a breakdown of the game, including highlights, stats, analysis, and more. Tune in on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, and Vikings social media channels. Check out Vikings Vantage this Friday night on KFAN 100.3 FM, 6.30 p.m. Gabe Henderson, Chris Corso, Special guest Jalen Holmes talking through everything 2020. They'll get you ready up to the minute uh, for kickoff with all the game info you need and everything happening. Check it out live on KFAN or, as previously mentioned, on wherever you listen to podcasts. Big win last week, boys. Uh, you know, we've had contested battles with Detroit over the last couple years, and Matthew Stafford is really good at throwing the football if he's out there. We're going to need to carry the intensity from last week into this week. 
Jay, can I get your final thoughts? Like I said, for me, it's stop the run game and get in the quarterback's face. Uh, defensive line is going to be key. I, I think having guys like Troy die back at the linebacker position are great, but it's going to be defensive line up front controlling that line and then get those road graders going on offense. Chris Corso. I think the big thing is going to be getting the running game going again. Just get Dalvin Cook going, and I think that will uh, give a chance for Kirk Cousins to really attack this Lions defense that is not the same as the Packers defense. So I look for Justin Jefferson and and Adam Thielen to have bigger games as well as Kirk Cousins as we kind of do a little more of a hybrid approach compared to last week. And to me, guys, it's just I don't even have a thing. I'm just curious. Is the consistency going to be there? Can you carry last week into this week? I know we lost against the Seahawks, but we had a very good performance. And then the next week you had what happened in, uh, in, uh, against Atlanta. So to me, it's before I get really uh, irrationally enthused about the rest of the season and this team's possibilities to jump back into the race, especially given the fact that there are more playoffs teams this year than there normally are. Uh, I need to see it this week. I just, I want to see the same. And and I don't know how easily you can repeat last week. That is a pretty odd situation when a stud running back, things have to go pretty perfectly for you to win a football game like that. So I'm looking for us to come out, be consistent and beat another football team in whatever way the game calls for. I know we'll have our game plan. I know we'll have our, our, our way that we go into it. I'd like to see this team go out and and carry the momentum forward with a win, no matter what it takes. So uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will see you guys next week.